0: A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey friends, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. My name is Kevin Garcia. Welcome to another episode. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm queer. And I am so tired right now. I have been on the road for about two weeks straight. Um, I left for the Wild Goose Festival on the 12th of July. I had like one night of sleeping in my own bed, and then I was on the road till about 1.05 on Wednesday the 25th. So it was a whirlwind. It was exciting, but I'm a little tired right now. But I'm so glad to be back. That's why you haven't really heard from me on any of my stuff, and that's why this podcast is a day late, because freaking American Airlines, and if you're listening, I know you're not listening, but if you are, I just want you to know that I am generally displeased with, um, with yo shit. Anyways, um, I've been in Wild Gaze Festival, it's a millennial leaders project in New York. I had a great time meeting so many cool people, making connections, and also meeting a few of my internet cousins out there, so thanks for showing up and saying hey, and all those things. Uh, shout out to my friend Hannah in New York City for hosting me for free for five days in her dope-ass apartment in Brooklyn um kind of want to move there low key but i do love this house so we'll see what happens um and i'll also say it was nice to have just a little bit of time off from making stuff and producing stuff because i have uh, been a little bit i don't want to say burnt out but like edging on burn, burning out so um i was thankful to have a little bit of time away so thank you so much for uh, letting me have that time. Not that you were really letting me, but not giving me shit about producing a podcast. Um, anyways, hi, I love you. I'm going to stop blathering on. Um, and before we get into who I'm talking to today, I wanted to invite y'all to go ahead, just go ahead and rate this podcast on iTunes, subscribe, share it with a friend, because seriously, it makes a huge difference in getting this podcast in front of people who actually need it and are looking for better words about their life. So if you would do me a favor, go over to the iTunes store, leave a five star rating, tell people why you like it, and then send it to at least five friends. And if you don't send it to five friends, you'll have like bad sex for seven years or something like that. Do you guys remember when you get chain emails and was like, if you don't forward this right now, someone in your life will die. And I'm like, I was so, <laughs> I think it's because I was raised evangelical. I'm just like, someone just tells you something and you're like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, um, I have early morning brain. I haven't had my coffee yet. Um, anyways, so today we are talking with my friend Britt Barron, who I am just Low-key in love with If she already didn't have A beautiful wife I might, you know Swoop in and try to Woo her or something Not really Because, you know She's just like Not my type You know what I'm saying But Brit Baron Is an amazing human uh, who's really starting to shake things up She's going to be a featured speaker at the Reformation Project this October um, She just was on a panel with my buddy George McHale uh, In New York City at Union Theological Seminary where I was And overall she's just really starting to shake things up I feel like she's going to be like one of those voices to watch in the next year or so But anyways, about Britt Barron um, she is currently in Southern California working as pastor of New Abbey Church in Pasadena. She's the spiritual director at the Christian Closet, which is Candace Zubernett's therapy practice online, um, which has also been featured on this podcast. She's also a speaker, writer, diversity and inclusion trainer. And she spent a lot of time thinking and talking about how faith, race, gender and sexuality interact in our everyday lives. Uh, she likes to believe that we all have a place in this conversation, and it's her goal to create spaces and environments for people to feel comfortable and confident in having conversations about spirituality and inclusion. Um, like me, Britt is a church clarity advocate, um, and hopefully, God willing and the creek don't rise, myself, George McHale, and her are going to be on a podcast in the nearest future, having a conversation about ideas about how do we do inclusion, how do we do inclusion well, how do we hold systems and people accountable to our standards that we're starting to draw right now standards that should have always been in place but we're just now getting brave enough to hold people to them um so i'm thrilled about that so i'm done talking that's it brit baron thanks for being on the podcast and you're gonna love her as well so you know grab yourself a lacroix like a good homosexual um or ally you know allies can drink lacroix too (laughs) Um, call your BFF, sit down, shut up, and listen to this conversation. With my good, good friend, Britt Barron.
1: Um, yeah, so uh, I'm Britt, and I am a pastor, one of the co pastors, there's two of us at a church called New Abbey. Um, I. I'm now doing spiritual direction with the Christian closet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I always joke that I'm a recovering mega church pastor. Girl, um, so yes. that was my former life. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, just trying to reclaim Christianity as like a queer woman of color, uh, a wife and dog mom. Those are very important. Oh, I know. Uh, there he is sitting over there. Uh, yeah. So care about um, faith and the intersection of faith and everyday life, right? What does it mean to to see ourselves as as spiritual when it comes to like race, gender, sexuality, um, all the things?
0: That's the that's the pitch.
1: Yeah. That's, the, well, that's it. I would invest in this. That's my elevator, my elevator speech. Yeah.
0: Um. Where, where did you, did you go to college for religion, faith? Did you get like an, an MDiv and then end up in that or this was it just kind of like a natural evolution from your upbringing?
1: Yeah. So grew up super evangelical. Um, my dad was in ministry and then I went on to college at Azusa Pacific University.
0: Oh, really? Known for its,
1: in, known for its inclusion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was there sarcasm and, in that voice? Um,
1: There was a lot. Yeah. Um, so I actually went there for undergrad and grad school. Um, and then worked at, um, another Christian institution and then became a pastor. So I'm kind of like a late bloomer in terms of, um, understanding my own sexuality. Mm -hmm. Like people ask like, Oh, did you know, or was it a secret? And it's one of those things where going through these seasons of life, I didn't I didn't know i was intentionally shutting anything out um but you know like hindsight's 2020 <laughs> know, i look oh, back and i'm 100%. like oh yeah it's like all these like yeah. you look back it's like, wow. oh my gosh all of these
0: experiences make so much sense when i realized this was true about me the whole time
1: exactly like in the moment i didn't think like oh i'm really like holding this secret i was just like yeah i don't know i'm wearing denim before it's back in style but i just really like it you know
0: <laughs> yo that's a real talk um,
1: so yeah <laughs>
0: There's a reason I never so, grew out of the skinny jean fans, Mom.
1: Right? Yeah, Birkenstocks are just comfortable. They're really practical sandals.
0: <laughs> wow. I know.
1: Um,
0: Do you also fit the stereotype of uh, a flannel? Lots of flannel.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, but it felt like again, it felt just like a practical, I a practical know, thing. I have, a, I have a, I
0: have a friend of mine. Um, he actually wrote a song called "Are You a Lesbian or Are You from Michigan." So, because it's because <laughs> it's like this is really confusing because all the women are very granola, and then like everywhere else in the yeah. country, that aesthetic is like like the uniform for for queer women. It
1: is, yeah, I know, and I I don't want to stereotype. Oh, I of course not. Where I where I fit exactly into the stereotype? Um, I was joking. I I joke all the time, like going to APU. And you know, I dated guys my whole way through college, and I remember having conversations with my friends, and they'd be like, "Gosh, it's like so hard to wait till marriage and all these things and how you do it." And I'd be like, "I, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm just holier than than everyone because it's really not hard for me to not be sleeping with my boyfriends. I guess God just so, has blessed me. You know, like I really felt like, yes, am I just close to the Lord. Like, am I, I mean, just I so holy?" Like, yeah, like it's
0: like I don't have a problem know, like, making out with any of my girlfriends, and just like you know, I don't like like we don't struggle with that because we were very pure, we practice purity. So, yeah,
1: it's like, no, I'm not having sex with my boyfriend, but I seem to stay better than my roommate, but that doesn't feel weird. <laughs> so, um, the pieces really came together um uh, later in life, and after grad school and after working at another Christian college, I went, I had the opportunity to like. Become a pastor at this church that was like, I mean, the church was maybe like six or seven hundred people the year I started, and by the time I left, it was 5,000, so it just was like, yeah, it's like nuts, this, it's kind of like a evangelical kid's dream job.
0: Oh, of course. Until
1: you get there and meet someone and realize you're super queer, so.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. That's one that's when that happened.
0: So, like, um, as you're a, as you're working at this church, and then you meet your your person, and it's like, oh fuck.
1: Yeah, it's like in one moment, all of these like pieces to all of these puzzles that I feel like I've just been floating, mm-hmm. like just click together, and I was like, oh no, like you know, what does this mean for? I just I built a very specific life in a very specific bubble, mm-hmm. and this you know what i mean like so many people it's just like well do i choose the life i knew or this freedom and truth yes. and
0: love yeah what um when you first kind of like had this realization of just like oh this person's not just somebody that like i like hanging out with but like this is someone i'm like attracted to in a romantic sense what was the initial reaction from you to, was it like i'm gonna go ahead and shut this down or was it i'd like i need to explore this
1: uh, both weirdly. I don't know. I, I had become theologically affirming in college, hmm. um, which, which was helpful, but at the same time, it w- that still keeps you at a distance from it being in any way yourself. Oh yeah. Um, and so it's like, you can quietly believe that, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and still get your, get your paycheck. Um, and so I think initially when I realized it, it was a little bit of, wow I really want to lean into this because this is this is this is opening something up in me that I didn't even know was there Mm -hmm. and I'm so like infatuated with with this person yeah and at the very same time it's like um okay let's never talk about this um maybe we'll just move on you know so it was a combination of both and and so Sammy you know my wife um she was kind of in a similar position because when we met and we started developing these feelings for each other and realizing that's what was happening. Um, she also worked at a Christian institution. Mm. Um, so we had these very like honest, <sighs> like conversations. Of, and like, also like
0: tenuous moments of just like, Hey, if we do this, we're going to lose our jobs.
1: Yes. Literally like, Hey, do you have money? No. Do you? Okay. It's um, like, Well,
0: this fucking sucks. Okay.
1: Yeah. And we have, like, we had, you know, very early on, like, moments of, like, maybe, I mean, and it's, like, we talk about it now, and it's, like, it seems so funny, but in the moment, it was so sad and and true, and we would have these moments where we were, like, maybe we are in each other's lives to just say, like, this is, this is what you deserve. And I hope you, like, find it in the guy. You know what I mean? Like,
0: trying to
1: reconcile it in some way to where we didn't have to sort of put it all on the line. Because it just felt so, it felt so deeply unrealistic, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We're both in these kind of, like, high-profile, up-front-center Christian jobs, both at places that are not affirming. And... I mean, our, our lives and, and communities and friends and college and like, it's all deeply rooted in this one.
0: Are you still there? Can you say, go back to the thing it no says, just like, out. can you go back to the thing you broke up a little bit? Can you go back to the part where you said oh, okay. it's deeply rooted in?
1: It's all deeply rooted in this evangelical world. And so this idea that we literally do not know life outside of this world and what like what would that even mean like you know what I mean there were, there were just so many questions of, yeah, what would happen? It all just felt like this other world that yeah. God was not in, you know,
0: yeah, I totally relate to that because it's like you've const- like it's like you said, you construct this life that is uh you know you have all the answers, you have your position, you have your flow, you know how the kind of like the track of your life is gonna go, and like you. You just you know how things work, and then yes. to imagine something outside of that is—it's not just like unrealistic; it's terrifying because you've been told your entire life this path right here is where God is. This is the path of God. Bless. This is the straight and narrow. And yeah. every why does the path that leads to destruction? So anything outside of this normative, what you've been taught is yes. normal, is mm-hmm. not God. And so, but at the same time, feeling this deep conviction of just like. Here I am experiencing love. Here I am experiencing this deep connection with somebody else. Here I am experiencing God through another person, through this romantic thing. And I don't know what to do with that. It's terrifying.
1: Yes. Yeah. It was so... You there?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm here. They're they're like, uh the I'm in my friend's loft apartment and like there's like a hole in okay. where the ceiling is and like they're blending something in the kitchen. So I'm going to mute Perfect. it while while <laughs> the noise are coming through. So keep going.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Um yes, so um incredibly terrifying and there's always the there's this feeling like I always said before I had this experience of like coming out before I had this experience of what I say is realizing God was everywhere. I thought God wasn't mm-hmm. um, before yeah. that. Right. There's this construction of like, okay, well, God is in Amy Grant, but God is not in Beyonce. Right. There's, like, and it's like, it, 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 all makes when you're in it, like that. that's the wild, that's the most wild part is that when you're in it, it somehow makes sense. Right. Of like, Oh, God is in these very specific places. Um and I remember thinking like, okay, like the question early on in my mind, it started to feel like, okay, choose Sammy or choose God. Choose <sighs> yeah. this or choose and and you know, eventually coming to realize like that's not the options, right? It's yeah. like choose freedom, find more God. But Ooh. um
0: Ooh, yes.
1: Yes. But that but you know, that that first sort of year I was like this is my choice, right? It's it's God, it's this um reality or it's Sammy, and then you know, I think you go on this journey. And it's hard because I'm looking around now and I think it's so helpful, right? Like you have podcasts like this, you have so many resources, but I just remember thinking like, I don't know a single person, <laughs> right? Who I could I don't know. I don't I'm I can't see it, right? Like Yeah. It's like now I know like plenty of women who are married and Christian. But like I, I was like I've never seen it, you know. Oh yeah,
0: and that's I think like the reason I think visibility is so important these days, especially for queer Christians. And I think that there's so many queer Christians who um and just queer people of faith in general across different faith traditions that are coming to the forefront and being more visible now, thank God. I think of people like um like within the church there's a lot more queer Christians, I think Maybe that I know of maybe just because the work I, the world we work in, but I think uh, for example, of like Blair Amani, who is like this dope queer Muslim woman who is yeah. like standing up and like, I know that like she like has a pretty huge following on like Twitter and Instagram, but she talks all the time about how she's like she gets these messages from people where it's just like you being visible, how, I did not know that there are other queer Muslims. And it's the same thing yeah. like like you and me. I don't know if you've experienced this, but just like when people meet you, it's just like I didn't know. I thought I was the only one. I mean I think that's yes. like I think that's like one of the biggest lies, you know. I don't even know if I believe in a literal devil sometimes, but just like that's one of the biggest lies the devil ever told mm-hmm. the world was that we were by ourselves.
1: Yeah. Right. And and I think there's this there's this moment, right? So so same and I went on this journey, like, um, I, You know, I went on this journey of sort of reconciling first with, like, who I am and my identity and realizing, oh, that that gives me an opportunity to connect with God in, in a way I never even thought was possible. And so we eventually came out, and I, I remember thinking, like, oh, when we come out, like, when I come out, I'm doing this for me, we're doing this for us. And then these messages started rolling in and I it's this moment of like oh when you share your story like you are never just sharing it for that freedom that it gives you that will come and that is beautiful but you always share it for the person who needs it right and and it was so it was so incredible I mean still every time I get to connect with someone it feels so magical but in those first few months I was like oh my gosh like just message after message after message. Like, I'm here, and this is my story. Like, it's like that scene in Handmaid's Tale, where, like, that, you know, they, like... Do you watch Handmaid's Tale?
0: I haven't so, seen it. I'm sorry. I know okay, everyone's yeah, like, it's Emmy no, Award winning, and I'm, like, missing out on life, and all that good stuff.
1: It's honestly, it's... it's. I literally watch it sometimes, and I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. Because <laughs> it's, really, it's
0: very stressful, I assume.
1: It's so stressful. So, anyways. um, This isn't a spoiler. But there's just a there's something about realizing all of these people have been here. All of these stories have been silent. So there's like a new fire now of like, okay, well then I won't stop showing up. And I won't stop being as visible as possible. And I won't like go quietly into the night sort of thing. Because um, I think that's what the the tendency, right, is sometimes when you come out of this big evangelical bubble, you don't know where to go. You kind of just fade out, right? And and I think there's, yeah, disability is so important. And there's something to to that—that that idea of sharing stories and stories of resiliency and mm-hmm. and finding God. And, yeah. and I think it's it's beautiful.
0: And uh, yeah, I, because th- it's it's a couple of things. Like when people do start coming out, and like I know, like especially living in the South, it can be really tricky for a lot of people with their um, yeah. their coming out story because of like safety being a concern actually finding community that um, yeah. supports you. And I, I think also it's like people give flack to people who live in like rural communities or who even go to like non-affirming Christian colleges or live in like, you know, conservative towns. They're just like, why don't you move, go to Atlanta, go to Nashville, go to New York, go to LA. I'm just like, if you were suggesting that people just leave there, like you also assume that they've got the, uh, the wherewithal, the cash, the agency, to just go certain places. And it's, it's so, um, it makes a lot of unfair assumptions. And so what I think, what I love about this era that we live in is not only am I, I'm so lucky to live in a community like Atlanta because I have a community of queer Christians, not just queer folks, but queer Christians specifically that can affirm both of these identities in me. Um, But I think that like if you can't do if you can't find the proximal community immediately, having people to connect with digitally stories to listen to like on this podcast or on like Matthias Roberts podcast Queerology, um, Mm -hmm. or the thousands so many queer podcasts coming out recently. My like there's one called Nancy that I've been like eating up. It's so Mm -hmm. funny, Uh, and it's it's, not that bad.
1: Okay,
0: yeah, it's called Nancy. It's hosted by two queer Asian people. It is. Mm-hmm. Just it's it's amazing, and they cover everything from like talking about like discovering sex and like you know discovering your body for mm-hmm. the first time to coming out to your uh, your mother who's an immigrant and like having a, a language yeah. and culture barrier. It's incredible. Yeah. So, and I think that's like okay. the diversity of story is so important because like a lot of times like we look at media and we see you know the gay the gayest white boy who comes out to his dad and like it's a good wonderful thing. And, like, right. it gives us hope, which is important, but also we got to check our reality of, like, that's not everyone's situation. That's not everybody's reality. Yeah. Especially, like, um, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, but coming out not only as a, a queer person, but a queer Christian, but also a queer woman of color, like, I'm sure that has, like, a whole yeah. other layer of interesting and probably hard things that go along with it.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I. <laughs> I joke all the time that I knew I was black first. Um Yeah.
0: I don't know I don't know if that's a good thing, but I always just wanna when people just like affirm their identity and their yeah. racial identity is like yes, good. Sorry, keep going.
1: Yes. And that's so that's like a you know, a big part of my life is being a woman of color and, and I I always tell the story and I because we were in so my wife is white and we are in premarital and before we get married, and talking about, uh, do we want to have kids, or you know, things we talking about. And when about you premarital, say premarital, so you mean like premarital kids. counseling, right? <clears throat> premarital counseling, yes. Okay, cool. Just want um, to make sure I know what you're talking leading about. Leading up to the wedding, and we're talking about yes, yes, <laughs> premarital counseling. And our therapist is asking us, do we want children? And we're having this conversation. And our therapist says, like, okay, well, you know, like being two moms, there will be things um that are your children will go through because of like who you are and my wife has like this look on her face as like the wheels are turning and it was fascinating because I'm like oh I've always knew known that but like before I knew anything else it's, like before the world had told me anything else and before I could even learn who I was this black identity had already been told to me what that means like I you know at the youngest age I knew Any child that comes out of my body will be treated differently because of who I am. This isn't a new reality, Mm, right? Yeah. And I think I watched my wife sort of wrestle with that, and I was thinking, like, you know, like, welcome, right? This is (laughs) um, this is the reality of the world, and. And there's something there's there's something to that which you know. And I would tell her all the time before we came out, I'd be like, I don't want to come out because I'm already a woman, I'm already black. Like you know what I mean? Like, what's like life is happening? really fucking
0: hard right now. Okay. Yes,
1: exactly. And um, and what does that mean? And I I say all the time, it's kind of strange to to live the first twenty eight years of my life with my black identity really kind of being at the forefront. I talk about race all the time. It's who I am. I, I very much am proud and embody it. And all of a sudden, I come out, and my sexuality is now the most interesting identity that I hold, right? And so, mm. like navigating that has been kind of funny, right? Um, yeah,
0: because automatically people so just want to make yeah. all these assumptions about you because of your queerness, and not like thinking anything about your your womanness or your blackness,
1: right? And and there's certain you know environments where that makes more sense, right? So I'm in a lot of Christian environments, and that does become the identity that feels most confronting for whatever reason. So um, I get it, but I think their intersectionality is really important. And I think we have a lot to learn from one another, Mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of, like, even what you were saying, the importance of diversity within the queer community and sharing experiences is important, right? Mm -hmm. And, and the diversity within sort of some of these intersecting identities is really important because all of that gives us sort of a bigger picture of the story right and and that's what we say like like the church um that I get to pastors what we say like every Sunday is we believe in diversity because when we hear more stories then the story of God is now allowed to get bigger because we see how many stories people... I think it's really important to be mindful of Okay, whose voice is not whose voice is not represented in this microphone, right? Because we're mm-hmm. missing something that God is doing.
0: Yeah, the question I always ask um, when I give presentations or talks, I always like go down my like litany of like my identities. I'm just like, hey, my name is Kevin. Uh, I'm genderqueer. I uh, I am uh, mixed. I'm Filipino, Mexican, and white. Um, and my question before we start is, who's not here? and like usually like at least mm-hmm. like in different spaces like mm-hmm. depending on who's hiring me depending on like what festival it is like it can be uh overwhelmingly white overwhelmingly cis yeah um
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so just to get people's like wheels turning about just like you know cuz like looking at me just like I pass as male and I pass as white and it's like it can be like really hard it's uh it's it's difficult sometimes to like it, no, it's really easy sometimes to just, like, forget that there's narratives outside of your own. Um, at yeah. Least, and I'll say that specifically, like, for, like, I was talking with a friend yesterday about this for the podcast, about just, like, specifically, like, um, I think gay cis men, especially, like, if they have any proximity to whiteness, it's very easy for them to just, like, I don't yeah. have to worry about anything else because I'm an oppressed identity.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: I'm like, honey. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> when when you keep saying "gay cis man," like the first time you said it, I heard "gay like, <laughs> Oh, is that is that like racist? Is that like the new?
0: Yeah, if you're gay and racist, oh, gay. it's gay cis.
1: Yeah, yeah. gay Yeah.
0: Yeah, if you're gay and There's
1: racist, gay cis. Yeah,
0: that's a new word. We're gonna coin it. You heard it here yeah. f- first. You heard it here yeah. first, folks. Um. So follow be... me
1: on the gay podcast.
0: <laughs> this is yeah, where we confront the gay and the gayest agenda. Um be <laughs> um, so talk to me about uh about going from being like this megachurch pastor to working for a completely different ministry, like New Abbey. What was that transition like and like what's been the biggest things you've noticed?
1: Yeah, so um eventually reached a point where um wanted to choose freedom over fear um and so left left the megachurch world and and along with it community that had become like family right Mm. you don't you don't exist in in this in spaces like that without some really really deep relationships right yeah whether or not they knew all of who you are uh it was it was painful and so
0: yeah, it's still um, your family, and that's also a big part of the fear of like coming out in spaces like that is because you know the cost of how much you're about to lose.
1: Yes, and so being a pastor at a a, a large evangelical church and then very, very publicly coming out, you can imagine it went super well. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <I've>, everyone <laughs> yeah. supported you. They loved you. Your whole church became affirming. It's amazing. A blockbuster yeah, so- story.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna sell the rights. Um, so so that was incredibly painful, and I had this moment where I was like, I'm willing to do all of this for what I believe is true, for what I believe um, God is doing in the world, for what I believe is the forward movement of spirituality and faith and understanding this, this tradition, this Christ, and I'm going to. Hold that, but i'm I'm not gonna do it within the context of ministry at least mm-hmm. maybe ever um wow. because there was a lot of grieving, and there was a lot, so I got a job at like in higher ed at a university and just drove there sad every day um, and really was was grieving and and mourning just at loss and and I got a Facebook message, which like who even sends those from um, this guy named Corey and he said, Hey, I was a pastor at a mega church shoe and I left and that's, could be a weird thing. Do you want to grab coffee? And I was just like, I'm in the, I'm in no place to pass up friends. So absolutely. And, <laughs> um, so we ended up getting coffee and, and we get coffee every week. And he asked me one time, like, what are you kind of most sad about? And I was like, I'm sad. I'll never preach again. Um, he said, do you want to come preach at my church? And I was like, what? So uh, he is the person who founded New Abbey and was just pastoring by himself. And then six months later asked me to kind of join on and, and here we are. And so there's a lot of healing in that, a lot of processing and a lot of uh, reclaiming and rebuilding, which yeah. I think is, I think as, as a queer Christian, you can get to a point, deconstruction is important and it's helpful. But you eventually get to a point where you're like, I am either going to reclaim and rebuild or I am going to throw this thing out. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if not, you kind of just sit in a place of of cynicism that can be an endless loop forever. Yeah. So um, those elements of reclaiming and rebuilding were incredibly important in my journey, right? Of realizing like, no, I do not have to choose. (laughs) I get to do all the things that I feel like I am meant to do right. Mm-hmm. I get to create these spiritual spaces. I get to have these faith conversations. I get to study and, and preach in and, and meet with me. Like it's not a choice and I'm not going to let the, I'm not going to let those voices sort of overrun the voice of God. And so,
0: oh, um, pastor,
1: yeah, you know, and you know, it's funny. I just was, um, um speaking somewhere and they asked it was like uh you could text in questions and someone asked what do you think is god's plan like why did god create queer people and i was like i literally have no idea but um
0: that's a weird question
1: It it was a really fascinating question And and i don't know if it was someone who was like trying to understand their own identity or if it was like a I've got a question for you. I have no idea. The well, like it's a, like asking, well, yeah, because but...
0: like the question I would ha- ask back to that question, I would pull at Jesus and just ask another question. It's was like, "Why did God create anything, so that we could delight right. in God and God t- could delight in us?" Like,
1: why is anything anything? But I think the the fascinating shift, and this is this is what I do believe to be true. This reality that we're seeing is uh, the church is obviously um Dying, for lack of a better word, right? Um,
0: so, yeah, in some ways, less
1: people are going to church and all these things. But the beautiful thing about death, if you take our actual Christian narrative,
0: okay, is that
1: it makes room for resurrection. Okay, and, come and on. So I was t- I was telling them like I I truly believe that this part of part of the resurrection of the church in the 21st century will come from the queer community. And I believe that because there's an element of spiritual resiliency that you have to have as a queer person that you do not have to have as a straight person. You will not be forced and pushed to find out truly who God is and shake out all the leaves and see what sticks, right? And so I think it's, it's incredibly powerful to be in these queer Christian spaces and be like, everyone who is queer and Christian has fought for this and it's real to them. And we need them, right? We need them in the church. We need them in in, in the world. And we need them kind of sharing that experience.
0: Whew. I got chills up and down my body.
1: Same. Oh,
0: Jesus, come on. I Pat. love
1: thinking about it, right? Because oh. I, I truly believe that. Yes. There, there's not a... A queer Christian person who hasn't had to wrestle with God: Who are you? Where are you? What are you doing? Why are you doing? What is this? Are you real? Are you not? I mean, wrestle mm-hmm. like, am I good? Are you good? Like, and and the one if if you are still here, mm-hmm. that's a voice we need in the church. That's part of the resurrection. I yes. think of what's going to happen
0: one hundred and twenty-five thousand percent. Yes, that is the damn truth. Yeah. that is like something that I wish that like so many different uh organizations, especially like conservative circles, like what like what i I don't I fail to understand that they don't see in queer people and in queer Christians is that is that exact thing? I'm just like we are fight like we're not fighting to like change your minds. We're just fighting to stay. We're fighting to stay in something that
1: to just be.
0: Yeah, you know, come on. Like, it's not that like I'm trying to change your mind. I just literally want to. I want to take communion. I want to serve my church. I want to um, tell the story of what God is doing in my life. Is that a crime? Is that is that is it so yeah. disgusting to you that me, somebody who like you know, they said nothing good can come out of Galilee, but look at Jesus. Mm-hmm said nothing right. good can come out of the gay community but look at me and like here I am like I came back from the brink of death I should have be dead twice over and yet here I am and I'm just like and you and, know what and
1: it's the literal story of the it's the it's the story of the gospel right
0: mm-hmm I think about like my life before I come out I was doing like next to nothing I was working for like this uh this uh conservative evangelical missions organization and i was like taking like these discipleship classes and like paying money to live in a place that like ended up like ruining my credit for all like i have so many stories about mission oh, world but that's going to be out on the failed missionary podcast which y'all can listen to in june i'm co-hosting low plug what? but the <laughs> thing about it is it's just like i have done more ministry out of losing everything in my life that i thought that i needed yes. It's like it's a, it's a story when Jesus says, like listen, you better count up the cost before you follow me." And you know who has counted the cost? Literally. It is queer Christians. We counted the cost. We paid the price. And you know what? We've come out on the other side. And you know what? We we reap, we reap joy. We reap life. We reap
1: yes.
0: so many bigger things than we ever thought was possible.
1: Yes, and and that's that's I think part of this like death of the church that I'm talking about is because for years and years and years no one has had to pay any sort of price to come and sit on a pew on a sunday morning Mm. and that's fine but that has created this reality in which this this faith this okay well then what is it Mm -hmm. what if it what is it if it's just something you do like it was something I was literally thrown into. Like you said, like, I just, I went to a Christian college and then I was like, had a personality. So they're like, you should do ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, all these, it's like...
0: Kind of just fell into and it, it. It
1: didn't, it, yeah, it didn't, it didn't cost, you didn't, it didn't count any of the costs. And I didn't come out on any other side. And I wasn't pushed to ask what it really, really meant. There was already a prescribed, hey, here's the box, build a, build a home in it and we'll tell you where to go from there. And so mm-hmm. this... What's happening right now in the queer Christian world and in my, even in my own life, I'm like, this is, this is it. Right. And not, I'm not even insinuating that you have to be queer to experience this, but get yourself in a room to hear some of these stories. right? Mm -hmm. Get yourself in a room to understand some of these perspectives.
0: And I think that's something that like, I fully believe will happen is that if we are given the opportunity to tell the story of what God is doing in our lives, that like you can't like once you hear it, you can't unhear it. That's the thing. You cannot like once you see God in the most least likely person. You know what the response is? Um, be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. It's like like you know when um yes, what's his name? Was it Peter? He rolls up on the on Cornelius's house and like. Like yes. the Holy Ghost falls <laughs> on all these Gentiles. He's like, well, shit, like, I guess, I well, guess, I guess you're in. And it's just yeah. like, I, and I think that's like what, like, it's going to be so surprising to so people. You show up into a queer Christian space and tell me the Holy Ghost ain't there. Tell me that the Holy Ghost ain't working in the lives yeah. of LGBTQ Christians who are so grateful just to worship in a space where they can be themselves. Not even to like the like all the other things, but just to gather, just to be welcome. And,
1: and that feeling—it's like where else are you? It's so incredible. And I, I think there's this—I say this all the time, right? Like the the wild thing about it is, you know, I I get critique all the time of like, well, do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe? You know what I mean? And I'm like, the funny thing is, the Bible is literally. Telling a narrative about a story that gets bigger and more inclusive. Every step of this thing is like, hey, God, God reveals God's self to a person, then a family, then a tribe, then a nation, then the world. The whole thing is expanding outward and quickly. And you're out here trying to build some barriers and walls when that's been the story that's the narrative in scripture and that's the narrative right now right is is god is literally trying to tell a story that keeps getting bigger and more inclusive and the religious leaders of the day keep trying to make it less inclusive and it's the people who are outside of those walls that end up showing everyone that god was exactly where you thought god wasn't um and so i think the scripture is incredibly important and um i think it's a really cool time and that's like like the work that i get to do with like Christian closet with spiritual direction Mm -hmm. is so fun because I think there are so many Christians who I think will already are unstoppable, but moving from that deconstruction to that reclaiming Mm -hmm. is going to allow us to, like you said, like there's, there's no way you can, you can enter a space, a worship space with queer Christians and not see that God has always been there, just where you thought God wasn't. And so how do we be a part of that, again, that resurrection of you try to say that God was here or there, and we will keep proclaiming that God is everywhere and always, mm-hmm. and come and see, right?
0: Come and taste and see that the Lord is good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So a little bit of a pivot um, because I would like – you're now working with the Christian Closet for spiritual direction. For someone who doesn't even know what spiritual direction is, like give me a little – give them a little taste. What is spiritual direction?
1: Yeah, so spiritual direction is is essentially it's, – it's set up like therapy in terms of like you meet with someone one-on-one. But we're not going like childhood trauma or like processing that. We're going um, – very specific towards faith and spirituality.
0: Right, um, right. How right. do we
1: ask questions together and go on a journey to find what? What do you feel like God is saying? How do we create some practices in your life to uh, maybe become more open to what that is? How do we unpack some of the baggage, reclaim some of the truth, and and create that that space for people?
0: That's dope. So, like in a typical session, I, I suppose it's things like going over, like, asking questions, like, you know, what do you believe, and why do you believe what you do? Like, they, And, um, at least in, like, the spiritual direction I've experienced, um, we'll use tools like the Enneagram, we'll use to, tools like Centering Prayer, we'll use tools like um, I'm a big fan of, like, meditation and um, things of like that, and at least for my practice, my practice uh, of my own, you know, spiritual work is not only just thinking about these questions, but also physical, so I've been like what my spiritual literature actually says like, yeah, you need to like really press into your yoga practice because you have got to tap into that, tr- that, that grief that your body's still carrying around.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think we, you know, if you grew up in the evangelical church anytime between the eighties and, and now it's a very disembodied experience. We're taught oh, from a yeah. young age that our bodies are bad, oh, whether yeah. you're queer or not. Right. There are these things that you should be fighting. And so uh, yeah spiritual direction does it has a lot of of practice we look at your life I always like to say i look i like to to look with someone at their life and and first start with descriptive instead of prescriptive what are you already doing that you can kind of reclaim as a spiritual practice mm. that's gonna that's a better starting point than hey let's do all these things it's like hey do you take a shower every day you know what i mean let's <laughs> let's create some can we do some breath prayer in there can we so how do we start to open ourselves up to some of this awe and mystery and allow that to shape sort of where we're going um, and how we see our our faith interacting with our life and our work and, and our relationships and so on.
0: I love that so much. That was my conversation with my friend Britt Barron. Uh, Brit can be found across the internet at Brit Baron. That's Britt with one T B-R-I-T-B-A-R-R-O-M. On most things on Twitter, she's Brit Baron blog, but she never tweets. And yes, I'm calling you out. You need to get on that conversation, honey. Upgrade your life. Let people know where you is, what you is. Pop off on with the, you know your opinions on the Twitterverse. Join the fam, Brit. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and you can also check out the rest of Brit's work at BrittBaron.com. Britt, thanks for being on the show. Can't wait to kick it with you and George and talk shit on the internet. It's going to be delightful a tiny revolution is supported by 118 amazing humans on patreon patreon is a crowdsourcing platform for you to support the creatives in your life who are making content that matters so if you think this show is important if you think any of the other content in the way of blogs or podcasts have been good for you i would really appreciate you going there and supporting me even as little as one two dollars five dollars twenty five dollars a month if you've Those little bits help me so much because it takes a village, people, to reform the world. So let's do it, fam. So go over to patreon.com slash thekevingarcia. Learn how you can become a supporting partner, and let's make more queer Christian content available to more people. I've had some really, really cool messages come in lately um, from people, so I know that we're reaching stuff. We're getting to shake things up, and y'all, I am ready for the people's revolution. So go ahead, do me a favor, go do that, and let's you know let's change the world together again one more time patreon.com slash the kevin garcia another easy way for you to support the show is by leaving us a rating at itunes you know the drill It helps us, we reach more people, just go do it like if all of you listen, because I think I've got like 35 reviews, but I think that if everyone who listened to this on a weekly basis, I'd probably have closer to 700 reviews, so why don't you do me a favor if you haven't done it already, and if, especially if you're not a Patreon supporter, this is the least you can do, honey, because lord knows at the end of the day this shit ain't free, I got bills to pay mouths to feed, naming them my own (laughs) Okay, so done browbeating about that. Go to patreon.com slash Become a supporting partner. Leave me a rating and then connect with me across social media at TheKevinGarcia. across most platforms. I've got a blog. I've got a YouTube channel. Everything is at TheKevinGarcia.com. I think I am done talking, but I love you so much. Thank you for sticking around. Thank you for coming back once again. And I'll see you probably early next week. I'm going to try and produce, like, maybe a couple extra podcasts since I've been a little bit lazy this month. And you can also expect a new video this Friday on uh, July 27th. And more videos to come. I've got plenty of ideas after being away for so long. I just needed to recharge the juices, so to speak. Anyways, I love you so much. You're amazing. Thank you so much for all your support. Love. Uh, Take your meds. Uh, Call your psychiatrist and go see them if you need to get some medication. Um, Call your therapist and set up an appointment because Lord knows you probably do need it. Um, You're an amazing, wonderful, uh, lovely human, and I love you so much. Um, And I hope that wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing, you remember that you are loved by me and by God and by the community and the the witness of many saints. I think that's how it goes, right? A a great cloud of witnesses, that's what it is. You're surrounded and loved by a great cloud of witnesses. I'm so biblical. (laughs) All right. I will see you cats probably early next week. All right. Or I'll be on your ears or something. Anyways. Bye. Oh, wait. Hold on. That's not how I ended. I say, um, this has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia, and I will talk to you next week. Okay. Bye.